Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. I think I say this often, but this is a really good guest. And it is because I've been wanting to talk about complicated grief for a long time. And my story sometimes with my husband dying suddenly of a heart attack, it sits in one bucket. But complicated grief is when there's a lot of answers that have not been, I mean, questions that have not been answered and a lot of unknowns and whys and all the things I didn't have to go through. I knew exactly why my husband died. I could turn it around into something positive because he would have been really sick. But complicated grief is anybody that has grief that is complicated. Suicide is probably one of the top ways of dying or having a loved one die that is complicated for so many reasons. So today I have one of my best friends from childhood, literally maybe my first friend ever. I mean, I wanted to be friends with her, but she didn't want to be friends with me, which happens sometimes. But Lisa Davis is here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, that's not true, but okay. <laughs> we actually recorded this once and it didn't work. It didn't work for a couple of reasons. First of all, she was on her iPhone and I've never seen someone try to do a Zoom podcast on an iPhone. It also, we got we got caught up in the wrong part of the conversation about what we want to share about Lisa's experience with grief. But I will tell you this, we're going to talk about her father and we're going to talk about what it was like to live with him and what it was like to lose him. But mostly we're going to talk about the journey after that, that she and I have kind of been going in parallel for the past couple of years. So can you tell us a little bit about your dad and how he passed? And then kind of we'll go from there. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to see your face, first of all. And I'm so proud of you too. This is amazing. Yeah. My dad was amazing person, as you know, and just a great guy, just all around, you know, honestly, one of my best friends, I would say, I know that's kind of cliche for some people to say, but really he was, and just just a really good person. You know, we always talk about Nate and my dad being very similar. So yeah, he, you know, just uh, like we said, not to go into too much detail, you know, he had had throat cancer, struggled for many years, but, you know, living his life, doing his thing, but, you know, it, it got worse and his quality of life got worse as, as time went on and just couldn't do the things he enjoyed. He was a hundred percent there 
mentally, but just physically his body wasn't working for him. So, you know, COVID came and things got harder, a little more isolating. And yes, one day in early September, he decided to take his life. And needless to say, it was unbelievably shocking and traumatic and horrible. Something I never, ever in a million years thought would happen to our family or to myself personally. I mean, yes, did I think he would die maybe in a hospital bed, you know, maybe during one of these surgeries, but never, ever like this. And it rocked our worlds, our family. And it was just, you know, I'd never lost anybody. I'd lost a grandparent, you know, at 90 years old. So to have somebody that I absolutely adored and loved more than almost everybody in my world die this way was really hard. And I had seen him the day before. Everything seemed fine. So it was just, it was, it was shocking. I mean, it was the most shocking thing I'll ever go through. I hope to ever go through. So yeah. I remember that day, the way you remember finding out that Nate was gone. I deeply remember finding out that your dad was gone. And we talked a lot about the struggle that he had with his, with his diagnosis, but it's really interesting that he never said anything about, I want to die or I want to be out of here. And I think it's important that people understand that. And I don't know much about suicide. And the reason I'm talking to you first is because it's such a hard conversation to navigate if you haven't experienced it. I feel like people say the wrong things to me quite often. And mine isn't that hard to say. It's it's not that there's very little that can offend me, but sometimes I get annoyed with things. But I think with suicide, you don't know what to say. And I do believe maybe at first, and you can tell me if this is true or not, I went straight to... so. Her dad was very sick. And I remember when I came back about a year after Nate had died and her dad was struggling to talk and he couldn't eat really much, you know, solid foods anymore. And I saw him at a party. I went to their house because they were like, he was like a dad to me. I always remember him saying a happy car, a clean car is a happy car. And whenever I get my damn car washed, I think of James Campbell. I'm like, you know what? This car's happier now. But I remember he, he, I was broken, right? I was a, less than a year out from losing Nate. I was a widow. I had two kids and I saw your dad and he didn't look great, right? He looked like someone who was sick and he came up to me and we were all taking pictures and he gave me a hug and he whispered in my ear and I'll cry thinking about it. Cause he said, he said, baby, I just want you to remember that there are things worse than death. And I think what he was trying to tell me is, first of all, he understood what Nate was going through, like what we found out with the autopsy with his heart and then with the brain injury from CTE. And what he was saying in some ways was, this isn't this isn't fun being alive here right now either. Right. What are your thoughts on, you know, as people look back, because I feel like with suicide, there's so many questions. Do you say like, gosh, did we miss a cue? Did we, if we could go back, like if you could go back, would you sit down and say, dad, do you still want to do that? But at the time, was it just not even on your radar because he's such a great dad and grandfather? You're like, this is just the thing. Or how do people even, how do you reconcile that afterwards as you guys try to unwind all the questions? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the hard thing about suicide in general is that, you know, like I said before, the one thing that I was stuck with is it's grief with an asterisk. You know, it's, there's so much guilt associated with it because this person did make a choice. You know, it wasn't just, you know, a, you know, a sudden death that they didn't know. I mean, they, they, they decided to do this in whatever capacity. I do believe my dad was a very strong, very always took care of us. So he did not let on in that sense that that would ever be a thing. 
And just knowing his personality, that would never have been something that would have entered our mind. Now, I will say, I think this sounds weird, but I think I thought, because that's what I should be thinking, like the way his quality of life was like, oh, would he ever do this? But like in a million years, I never thought he would. So yes, we were left with a ton of questions. I felt horribly guilty. I mean, I still, that I struggle with that because I think when you're dealing with suicide, someone is so lonely. Their thoughts are hundred percent their own, you know, and they are not sharing that with anyone because if they told anyone that everyone would freak out, obviously. Right. What a catch 22. Right. I mean, everyone would be like, they try to commit somebody, you know? So I think to be alone in that makes me so sad for him because we shared so much to think that now I don't, I do believe he didn't plan this out per se. I, I think it was a momentary, uh, you know, they say like an irrational moment. Now, would you take that back? Some people would, you know, but when I do realistically think about him still being here, his life was not good. His life wasn't good. So he didn't want to live like this. You know, he didn't want to be a burden. He'd always taken care of everyone else. He did not want us to you know, change our lives or have it be miserable or us to, or his grandchildren to look at him a different way. And I respect his decision a hundred percent. I mean, I said from the very beginning, I would never say, I would say to him, I understand a hundred percent that you're doing this, but I do have some questions. A hundred percent. But yeah, I just, it made me more sad. It still makes me more sad to think that honestly, those moments alone, I think are the, what I really struggle with. Right. That he was hurting. Right. Those moments, maybe before it happened, I think that is where I really had a hard time. Yeah. And I, still, and, I always will, you know. I and mean, you and I think you give yourself some grace around. I mean, I think everybody that has someone die suddenly doesn't have the time to talk to them and tell them all the things that they want to say and doesn't get to say all the kind words and how much they love. But I, I hope you know that he knew how much you loved him and how much everybody in your family loved him. I think sometimes it, this is a cultural situation that we're in because we fear death so much. But I just, I did a podcast last week where it was about this woman who was, her husband chose to die with dignity. He knew he had a terminal illness. And so I think we're moving in a direction where dying can be spoken about in a different way, but I don't know that we're there yet. So we have people who realize they want out, but there really is no way to talk to a family member. Cause like you said, you're going to be like, nope, I'm going to talk you out of it or the process of helping them doesn't, is so arduous, but also your dad, he wasn't going to die from this. It was just his quality of life. Yeah. And, he was yeah. healthy otherwise. I mean, yeah. And that's what, you know, someone said to me once, like modern medicine is a wonderful thing, but there's also a lot of negatives to it, you know, because you're keeping people that yeah, he, he never wanted to live like this. My dad was a strong, smart lawyer, you know, that just loved life, loved people, loved being social. And all of that was being taken, was totally taken away. So besides his family, besides us, that had, you know, really was what was left. And I think he felt that he was being a burden, that he didn't want to be remembered this way, that he didn't want to be this guy in the corner, not being able to talk. You know, it just wasn't what he wanted. And so he... He chose to leave on his terms. Yeah, and I, I think, and this is a question that I mean, you and I have debated, and I've there was a, a girl, one of our very best friends, her father died, and I said things after it was like five years before Nate died. I said things like, "Well, he's you know he lived a great life. Well, he was the he was old, right? Like, I mean, it's okay. He was sick. I mean, I said the most awful things, and 
I don't know that I did the most awful things because I was more adept at that because I had gone through grief, but I still said a lot of things after your dad died, like, but Lisa, he's so happy now. Like he wanted out of that body. It didn't serve him anymore. You wouldn't have wanted to live like that. Of course, like he had to go quickly. He uh, And because of his condition, because of his throat cancer, there weren't a lot of different ways he could take his life. And so the one he chose was much more violent than you would want and much more shocking. You, you know, you, you want someone just to kind of go to sleep listening to Mozart in their car. Yeah. But he didn't have a lot of choices. And I think afterwards I said all the wrong things. No. But I just, but I think, can you share with people that have loved ones or friends who are going through what you're going through? Because your dad's good now. I, I pictured him with Nate quickly <laughs> in heaven drinking a scotch being like, thank God, here we are. But what what do people want to hear after that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, coming from you, obviously it was very different because you had lost someone. So you got it, but you know, for a while I would drive around and people would say a lot of that to me, like, Oh, he's in a bit, you know, better place, all these things, you know, which I'm a sort of, if you know me, I'm a little cynical in general. So I'm like, well, but I, I think one of the hardest things for me a lot during this time, and honestly, when I'm at a low point, this is hard for me is that when you know someone like my dad who loved life, he was not like a guy that stayed home a lot. He w- he was very social. You know, he loved life. I mean, he loved, he'd get up and like blow off the back deck, cook burgers on the grill, like just the cool, like normal, fun stuff. And so the idea that he would want to leave a life, this life, it's all we know. That was very hard for me because life is beautiful, right? But for him, it had not become joyful anymore. So Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the things that people said, everyone does the best they can. And listen, before this happened to me, I don't know what I was saying. I mean, I remember coming to your sofa when Nate passed away and I don't think words came out of my mouth. Like I was trying to talk. That's what, that's a smart move. I should try that. I should try. And I'm a talker and I couldn't even, I was like, I don't know what to say, you know? So I get it. I think the best things that helped me are the things that helped me the most were people that just kind of were as shocked as I was. (laughs) We're like, this is insane. This is horrible. This is terrible, Lisa. You have been through trauma. This, and you said that a lot, a lot, you know, because I felt seen. I felt like I'm not crazy. This is the biggest thing to ever like affect me. This is insane. So, yeah, this is insane. Right. What just happened? I insane. have like this insane. is traumatic. This will be the you will be affected the rest of your life. And that sounds weird that you would want to hear that, but I think someone sees how horrible you feel. Right. And they're not just kind of trying to put a little bow on it and go, oh gosh, well, you know, I mean, he's just happier and better and life is good. And, you know, I'm just so, but I think you're in such a state of shock and all this that really, even though people are saying things that maybe you're not really even hearing most of it, you know what I mean? You're just first year, you might as well just be swimming underwater in an ocean. And I still, I think that is what helps me. I mean, it's been two years now, you know, September is always a very difficult month for me like the smell. Let's talk about that too. Yeah. The first year feels like a blur. The second year, you really start to see your coping mechanisms and you start to see that this, and we just texted about this yesterday, but, and I think it's really important when you lose somebody that like your life, the version of you, the person that was who you were when that person was alive dies the same day that that person dies. That version of you no longer works. And so Lisa and I have talked a lot over the last two years, as she's tried to go back to some groups of friends or some activities or some ways of thinking or some relationships inside her family, and none of them work anymore the same way. And I think we don't talk about that 
as much, but I literally felt and continue to feel I'm five years out. Like I am so far from the woman that took the call that Nate was gone that I am now because it just, it didn't work anymore. I was no longer a wife. My kids no longer had a father. You are no longer had a, I mean, what are you seeing now? Second year, I think is the hardest. So you just, what I, what made through what I think is one of the most challenging years because the shock and awe has gone away and you're just left with misery. Yeah, I think, you know. Sorry, sorry for people that are in their second year, but it is. more realistic. It's more reality that this is, yeah. you know, and I think for me, you know, you're, I think with my kids even just, you know, missing those moments and things like that. But, and, you know, again, it's like for suicide specifically, you're missing these moments and then your mind completely flips to the guilt and what should I have done? And what could I have said that morning? And what if I stopped by or what, you know, so all it's like this double-edged sword that constantly, yeah, but I think I am a hundred percent a different person. And I, like you, I always tell, you know, I fought that for a long time. I've been trying, I've been beating myself up as to why I don't enjoy doing the things that I sort of used to do, or why maybe I don't connect with some of the people that I used to connect with, or why I don't feel the way I used to feel. And I've been clawing to get that life back. And I've just in the last few months, well, my body is like, not let me go down that road anymore, but I've accepted that this is me now. And Trauma, I think, changes you and grief changes you. And a person that you love, you know, so much in your life being gone changes you. And it's all for the better. I think I told you yesterday, you know, someone had said it's like a snow globe. Yeah, I love that. You know, and I love this. It was, you know, a snow globe is beautiful, but, you know, you turn it over and it can still be peaceful and beautiful. It just all lands completely different. And that's how I feel about my life. Like it's, it's got a great life. I mean, I love my family. I have a lot of good things. It's just, it's totally different now. You know, like you said, relationships within the family, relationships with friends, just quality time is so much more important and just doing things, you know, all the things you read about with grief, but even I've experienced it in the last six months. It's just things the way they used to don't work anymore. Yeah. I see you doing the good and hard work. We talk a lot about too, that grief, especially trauma. And I think suicide is a different level of trauma than any other type of death, because not only are you sad, but you are shocked. You cannot believe that this person chose that. So there's a layer on top of layer that nobody understands unless they have gone through that experience. What are, and I was thinking about some of the stuff that, you know, the modalities for healing what have you found that worked? And I was going to ask you, because I think about this a lot with your dad, what do the counselors say is different? Like, how do you work through this or what has worked for you? And then have you guys thought about doing what I did, which really helped, which was writing a letter to Nate and then having Nate write a letter to me, what I would want to hear or needed to hear and what I needed to say to them? Because I feel like that's one of the biggest problems. And like, even in the letter, be able to say things like, I hate you for doing this. I mean, I, I am so pissed at Nate for leaving me to raise the kids. I don't care what the reason is. I'm yeah. still like annoyed by that. That was just disrespectful and rude. And, you know, have you tried that or what, what, what gives you any type of closure or what have you found that works kind of, I know you just said today you did some somatic body work and sometimes yeah. there's no words and maybe suicide especially needs more body work at the front end than actual talk therapy. Cause you don't really, what the, what the fuck are you going to talk about? Like I'm, I'm miserable, you know? 
So yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, I did, I do a lot of counseling, obviously I did. I haven't, you know, I've kind of tapered a little bit off that because I, like you said, at some point, it's just a lot of talking. I think the body does hold on to so much pain and I'm learning that. And I, you know, like I said, I'm a little skeptical of a lot of things, but I, it comes out in ways that you just don't think it's going to come out. And I think for me, if I'm really balanced and I'm healthy, that's the stuff that I work on, you know, like you said, like just, but, you know, I think I use, I, I'm jealous of people that, you know, it's funny how you shift gears of what you're, you know, I'm jealous when I see a movie or a friend tells me they were like by the bedside saying goodbye and saying all the things they wanted to say. So I think as much as I know my dad loved me, as much as I know how much I loved him, there are just unspoken words with suicide that you just can't say, you know, and that you'll never, but any sudden death, obviously that's similar, but, but I get it. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so there's just, it's a constant balancing act of feeling guilty and feeling like, no, everything was good. And, you know, so, and actually I, you know, kind of in the early stages when I lost my dad, I sort of did a, a support group online. Cause I kind of tried everything. <laughs> I was like, I'll do anything. And there were multiple different people that lost people to suicide. And it was everything from someone lost a brother to a son, to a husband, to a father, to, and it, you know, it was really helpful for me because everybody had a very different experience. And I feel like my dad's was even more different because he sort of had a reason. I mean, I guess if you'd say, you know, he was struggling I mean, he didn't want to live in this body. Some people didn't have any reason, which I found so heartbreaking. And I really, my heart went out to those people, especially, but it was sort of the same sentiment from everybody, just, which I think can really help you just obviously talking to people that are in the same situation but just feeling connected that, you know, and one thing this really, this, I feel like this helped me so much. If anyone's listening and is going through something, this one mother talked about her son and the son, you know, she, her big thing was like, how could you not want to say goodbye? How could you not, how could you do this to all of us? And he was like, and he survived the suicide, but he later said to his mom, he's like, mom, I, you know, I hate to break this to you, but I absolutely was not thinking about y'all. I was in a, in a state of pain and sadness that I, I couldn't think one minute ahead. So that gave me a lot of relief that, you know, because I'm picturing my dad, like planning ahead, what's going to happen. You know, he wasn't, he was in this right very small window of time and, and it was an impulsive act, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. That does, that gives you peace because you go, it wasn't like he was planning for weeks and months that he's going to do this. And maybe people are, but we'll never right. know. Okay. Or they're not, but they're not like, gosh, I'm going to miss this person. Right. I'm gonna, they're, you know, it's yeah, not, it's, it's not as selfish as people think. They're not like, because to me, selfish is you're doing something for you and you know it's going to hurt them. They're not even in the spot of thinking no. about who they're hurting. Their pain is so big and so all-consuming that they are just trying to figure out how they're either going to get out of here and release whatever that pain they're carrying. But they're not going like, I, I just, yeah, I, that's a really interesting concept. And a counselor said to me that I really adore, he's like, you know, it is an impulsive act. But, you know, whether or not you take it back or not, you know, it's, it's an impulsive thing, sure. the idea of it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What are your thoughts now on if he had come to you now? And what are your thoughts on dying with dignity or people that have terminal illnesses or can't live the way they want? Would that would that have been harder or easier if you were if he was said, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't swallow. I'm going to be on a fooding tube for the rest of my life. This is terminal. It it could get worse. What what would the Lisa now of this of the knowledge you have, would that would you be able to understand that now? Or would you still be like, but wait, we things are still good. Like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean obviously hindsight, but it almost kind of, when I think about that, it does seem like living on like a, on Mars, you know, cause that's so unrealistic, but I do think, yeah, I would give anything for a little more time. I mean, I would definitely knowing what I know now, a hundred percent, I'd sit down and be like, whatever you need to do, but I wanted to have the conversations, you know, and maybe you, maybe people that are in those positions that, you know, maybe people, especially when it's parents or people that we, we depend on, they don't want to hurt us. So maybe we are able to say like, how can I help you? Is this what you want? Is there any way, is there any way I can make your life more comfortable? But I'm sure you guys all did all that. It just. Well, no, it did. I mean, and the thing is we, yeah, we were very, and I think that's why he knew this was not something we was going to be discussed, you know, but um, you guys were like, it's a no. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a hard no, it's a hard path, <laughs> but no. And again, I don't think, I think my idea is that he kind of went through, I'm sure these moments came to him and like, we're like, this would be, you know, of course you're going to have those thoughts when you're this, you're struggling this much, but I think the actual timing of it was an impulsive thing, but I do, you know, I think everything that I've said is more of a selfish thing on my own part. You know, didn't he want to see my kids play lacrosse? Didn't he want to see Campbell on the golf course? Didn't he want to, not didn't he want to in a selfish way, but just kind of like, how could he not want to, you know, right. but it's all about me, right? It's not about, so that is something you have to face. Well, it's interesting because it's almost like you're, you're thinking about you and he was thinking about him. Like we all really are always and that's the craziest thing about my thinking dad. about ourselves. Yeah. Right? And never once in his life did he not think about us. A hundred percent. This was right. a moment in his life that he, he did what was good for him in that moment. But even in that moment, I think he thought it was good for us. Hundred percent, and I always think about him. I was, I, I obviously, when I saw him, was because I didn't wasn't seeing him every day. I hadn't seen him in years. Yeah, and it was shocking to me. I, I couldn't even believe it. And I remember thinking, this man is not happy here. Right. And just because you love people doesn't mean you want to stay around them if you're if you're not able to live. The, and so I remember having such a different experience. And when I would talk to you, you know, it's just we all get we all get set into our roles and we get set. And he was your dad. He wasn't your husband. He was, he was your protector. He was your person. And we did talk every day in the sense, in a very normal scenario. Exactly. I mean, day before, like, what are you up to? What are the boys doing? You know, so it was very mentally there and mentally normal. So I think that was why it was so shocking. Yeah. You know, that it hadn't been weeks where there was some kind of things going on or issues and but I do think that, yeah, everyone around us, 
kind of saw it physically, obviously more. We did too, but there was less surprise from a lot of people, I think, and probably for us. I'm still shocked. I still could stop and think about, and I will probably be shocked till the day I, you know, the day I, I agree. Um, Same. because of just the way it all went down. To be you know, honest, I'm still, I, I'm still shocked. I'm I mean, still, I think death, I think death is shocking. It's shocking that someone maybe can. it's shocking if someone dies in a hospital bed, you know, like when they even get to say goodbye. I, I've, so did, they, I've done a lot of podcasts with people who have terminal illness that die after years and years and years of being sick and everything's, and even the people that have helped their spouses or loved ones die, when they're gone, it's the same shock for everybody. You cannot believe the world now functions without them in it. It is one of the, that's why, I mean, I always say this, like I'm really all my good friends right now have dead people because once you have a dead person, you're just, you get things differently. Life is different once you and have a dead like person. And not in a, it's like a little club you really don't want to be a part of, but, but everybody's going like to be. You can't explain to anyone, yeah, but I think the sudden death part of it is, is yeah. like a different club sort of. I mean, for example, that day, you know, you and I joke that we were, I mean, literally minutes. I was in Target. We were talking about random house decor, like mm-hmm. a plant on your desk or something. I don't even know. And I, it's funny when I look back and I'm like, that's what we were doing. Life was like this very mundane. And then the next minute. Yes. And it's crazy. You always said this to me. You're like, you are one phone call away from your knees. And if mm-hmm. that is not the truth, I don't know what is. I oh, mean, it's, it, it's it's right around the corner for everyone at any time. For people now, like I'm just <laughs> like, oh, you're happy. That's not going to go well for you. Oh, like, I'm all. Always... I mean, I just... Oh, all... I say that all the time. I'm like, oh, having a good day. Good luck. There's, you know, I mean, there's a cynicalness to it, but for me, and I'm almost five years, which I do. I've talked to a lot of people too. I think five years is a huge marker. For some reason, I don't know what it has to do with spiritually or emotionally, or life cycles. But it feels like I've landed back on planet Earth. Yeah. It's a different Earth. It looks different. Everything feels different, but there's joy again. And I cry a lot about Nate, especially if I have a scotch and I watch a movie like last night. But I cry with gratitude and just thankfulness. But I'm not like wishing him back or wishing to talk to him. I talk to him now very often. And I think the relationship between you and the dead person gets stronger over time because you you learn the technology on how you speak to them and how you feel heard from them and you create your own way of connecting with them that doesn't feel the same as when they were in a body, but it does feel like they're still with you. But isn't it weird? Do you ever think about the Kelsey, like two minutes before you got that call? Like, who was that person? Like sometimes she, I can't remember. She was, I, you do remember. Me, I, I mean, I can't remember me. I'm oh, well, like, I remember her because she was the most anxious, uptight. I mean, I remember our trip to New York a month before he died. Everything in my body said something wrong was coming. I was sick. I didn't want to eat breakfast with you guys that Sunday. I wanted to go. I, ha- I was determined for he and I to ride our bikes and go look at our old apartment. I was miserable. I didn't know why he was going to Allentown and I was staying home. I just wanted to be with him. I think when you look back on things, most of us, there are signs and moments where you go, something's shifting here. But the mundaneness of just getting a phone call that like someone, you know, my phone call was just, oh, he just, he, he's dehydrated. Well, that was like a, that was quite a miss on that. <laughs> or dead. It was close, but I'm not exactly. But yeah, I think, and I also think Lisa, that 
that look at look at you surviving something that it's really hard. And if you if you knew where we grew up, it's a very small town. Everybody knows each other. Everybody knew James. You also, it's not what you want. You don't want to be the per, the daughter who has the dad who was gone. And you don't want her to be gone in the way he was gone. I didn't want to be a widow. I think the other thing too is wishing that wasn't what you were now defined by. Yeah. And, and when I'm really realistic about it, I'd almost wish it's not just that it's wishing, you know, that he never got cancer, that it's like, mm. it's a whole thing before that. So it's, there's a lot of, you know, you can't just be like, I wish that never happened. Cause there were also other layers to all that, you know, and honestly, the, and I've told you this before, the biggest thing for me is just, he, like you always say with, you know, Nate, and obviously I love my husband too, but I'm my, my dad, you know, I just, it's like someone in your life is just a great person that yeah. just made me feel great. We were close friends. We talked every day. I mean, literally every day and or we texted or some capacity. He knew everything about my life. He loved my friends. Like he was just interested in my children. So it's a big loss. It's not it's just loss. somebody, you know, it's not just somebody. It's, you know, one of the top people in your life that you turn to that is, I cannot say, and I know this is a little unrealistic. I, I said it at his funeral. I can't, I mean, to me, he was perfect. Yeah. He didn't have a bad bone in his body. So I felt like the world lost something really big and it, and I'm still a little bitter about it. And, you know, I think that will always be a little of that, but I'm really lucky that I had a dad like that to begin with. So, are you kidding me? You were yeah. so lucky. And that's the thing. Yeah, I do. I do find that it's a double-edged sword when you lose somebody that was the best. Yeah. Because you can you can spend a lot of time thinking like, what if I never meet somebody that was, is that good again? They were good men. The alternative or the other side of it is there's this great gratitude. I always think like I was loved by the best man for 21 years. Like some people don't get that for a day. Yeah, You had a father for what, 43 years. And some people don't have that for a day. So I think, you know, we can sit in the pain and then we can quickly pivot to gratitude. And that is kind of the healing way through grief, I think. And then just being miserable when you're miserable, but yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's just, I mean, most of the time it's, it's good. It's getting better. It's just, you know, I do think it's funny because we joke about, you know, I think when you lose people too, you get a little, you know, you're easily annoyed by life. So by everyone. A really cool person in your life. You're like, Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, and you're still in the phase where, you know, when you see people happy, you're like, oh, yay, you have a dad. Like, good for you. Like, it's the worst. I still, I'll be honest, when I see couples, I'm like, you know what? I'm not into it. Like, you guys, I like, I don't know about that. Yeah. Right. But, well, I, I love that we talk about it so normally. Yeah. I guess normally, is, I don't know what the definition of that is, but. Well, no, we're lucky to have each other. I mean, to yeah. have a best friend that I could easily, I'll text you one sentence and you're like, get it. Totally. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. You know, trauma's real. And I think that's what you and I have learned. And you're more, you're more evolved in the trauma for anyone listening. I am, you know, I have my big ups and downs, but trauma, I'm becoming more aware that it just, it takes over, you know, it's your, well, yeah, and deal it's, with it. it's, yeah, it's in your body. And I think luckily because of where I was when he died, that message was being told to me the weekend before, which is yeah. our body stores everything. And so I quickly, so I, I just, if anybody's out there, you know, the, the, the body, when, when sudden death happens, whatever the chemical reaction happened, when you got that news, it shuts things down. And I promise you, Lisa and I, we could give you all the diagnoses we've had ourselves since the trauma, but the body keeps score. But I will tell you this too, the body keeps score, but you can also heal it through yoga, meditation, eating right, changing your habits, exercise, different modalities. But 
you know, try to get out of your head and into your body and figure out where the pain is. And when, when you have those big cries, think of them as cleansing. And when you need to sleep, sleep. And when you need to laugh, laugh. And when you need to, you know, have whatever, have wine, gummy, mushroom, whatever you're doing, like do your thing. Well, you do think about, I mean, getting that call where it's that intense Oh, it's, it's, think it's about it, like your, your levels in your body just go into, and it, I think it takes years for that to come. Oh down. my God. Yeah. Because you have to recalibrate every single, every cell in your body. So yeah. I love you. I think you're doing so you great. So I never, ever would like to talk about this because I don't know how to, and I'm the worst summer upper and I was really bad before, but I'm like, well, he's in a better place. And I say that because you know why? <laughs> cause I want to believe it for God's sakes. I don't say it cause I, there's no proof. So I'm like, we might as well, but listen, he's somewhere good. It's just, of course he is. And wh- whatever that means, I don't know yet, but I know that the body is gone, but I know those, that, that energy of those two guys, there's no way they would have left us. So I am determined that they're somewhere in a bird. No. And I think the big, you know, the best <laughs> thing I heard too with y'all when we, is like, you know, happiness comes in waves, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think you ride those waves, like they say, and with suicide, I think, you know, by just understanding that you're one day you're going to feel horribly guilty. You're going to wish you could have said more. The next day you're going to understand it. The next day you might not think about it the next day. I mean, it's just something different. And I think if you can just accept it, I'm a, I know, like you always say, I have a harder time accepting some stuff, you know? So I think the sooner you can just try to go, okay, this is, you know, today and I'll get through it. So you're doing it. I love you so much. I love you you. guys. I'm so proud of you. I'm not helping anybody. I'm barely hanging on myself. But you just helped because we talked about a topic I was struggling with. So now I can talk to other people and I have some insight from from you. So thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful week. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.